0: The final ride for this version of the Big 12. Our conference previews continue on the College Game Day podcast. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel ready to roll in the Big 12 right now. Pete, 14 teams competing in the Big 12. couple on their way out in Texas and Oklahoma after this year. More on their way in next year uh, with the corner schools from the Pac-12 that will join next year. But this Last run for the Big 12 formed in the late 90s after the demise of the old Southwest Conference could be uh, could be what it's been the last couple of years. You could win or lose just about anywhere you go because there's a lot of balance in this conference, even among some, uh, at least a couple of the newcomers.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the greatest part about this iteration of the Pac-12 that we're in and we're going to is that everybody wakes up thinking they can win it. So it's sort of designed for chaos in a, in a very real way. There's not a... Everyone's on the same level of the cast system, especially when Texas and Oklahoma go. It is just going to be a... It is going to be an unpredictable mud fight. And I think, like, one of the things I like about the Big 12, it sort of has, like, the league has a little bit of a bandit soul, right? It gave us Mike Leach. It gave us... Uh, you know, uh, Art Briles. He gave us all these, like, innovators, these different guys. You're in these, like, wisps of towns and you try different things. And, and the Big 12, geographically clunky and a little weird. Like, it is just kind of a, a melting pot where of, of different types of football and styles of football. And we've had six different teams play for the title in the last three years. And there's nothing stopping that stat from continuing to trend that way.
0: And a couple of teams that will stick around played for it last year, often forgotten because. TCU played for the national championship. Kansas State is the reigning champion. And while I would like to give uh, the champion it's due to start, I feel like that with all of the offseason buzz and the talk and the early season game week two in Tuscaloosa, that the place to start is with Texas. Steve Sarkeesian in his third year, they return a ton on offense every uh, every guy that started the offensive on the offensive line last year, all back. Over 100 uh, career starts. Same five started on the offensive line. Quinn Ewers has cut the mullet. He's gotten in much better shape. Was the highest rated re- to recruit to play for Texas since Vince Young. And then, of course, Arch Manning is there in the wings as well. Um, They've added, uh, you know, they've added some guys from the portal to try to help out. Added A.D. Mitchell, the Georgia wide receiver who has a touchdown in all four of the Bulldog college football playoff games in which he has participated to go along with Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington. There's a lot to like about Texas
1: talked to a scout last week and he said texas will almost certainly have eight players drafted as like a baseline for an offensive foreign defense and that those are like nfl type numbers that are when texas was competing for the national title so the talent is clearly here and that doesn't include kelvin banks who is the best young left tackle underclassman left tackle in the country he has a chance to be a top 10 pick in 2025 uh Texas has not been Texas because it has failed on the lines, and their defensive line right now is filled with draftable talent. Their offensive line is growing up together and is filled with draftable talent. Uh, A.D. Mitchell has been the buzz of camp, and the case for Texas winning this league, I think, revolves around Quinn Ewers. Uh, a quick aside, we have a game day story coming up on Quinn Ewers. I went to his uh, his condo in Austin uh, for a story uh, last week. He has two giant Deer heads. I don't know if they're bucks or elks or antlers or whatever. One of which he killed with a bow. Um, he also stopped eating Chick Fil A, which I think we've talked about at some point. But I know that would probably like hurt your heart a little bit, Reese, your southern, your southern heart. You don't agree with that? <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, you can you can still you can still trim body fat and get in great shape and not deny yourself one of the wonderful pleasures of life, which is a Chick Fil A sandwich. So. But you know, if that's what if that's what Quinn needs to do, you know, I would say cut the mullet, but not cut the Chick Fil A. That would be
1: the be the winner. There was a interesting moment when we were there filming. He and a bunch of his teammates having uh, dinner from a local sub shop. Uh, so, kind of asking questions. We're tape we're taping it, and uh, the guys are teasing him about his hair. His teammates. It was uh, Baron Sorrel. and. A couple of the uh, the, the O-linemen, Hayden Connor was there. Um, Kelvin Banks was there, and they were busting his chops about the line. And, you know, they're like, why'd you cut your hair, Quinn? Why'd you cut your hair, Quinn? And he just kind of was like, had to grow up, bro. And I just thought it was like a very, like, <laughs> probably much more complex thing distilled in, you know, in, in, to the moment. So if he does grow up, bro. Like, like he had, says he has, and he appears to have physically, and Sark has been effusive in his praise for how he's played this spring, we could see a Texas contending stop us, if you've heard this before, for the college football playoff. They could be back.
0: Baby. Uh, when total's nine and a half, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit and take the over, but I do think they barely go over. I think they lose two or potentially, um, you know, potentially the championship game, maybe three. I don't think they make the college football playoff, but I do think they go over nine and a half. What do you think?
1: Can I take the over and still pick K-State to win the league? Because I kind of want to pick K-State to win. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I just didn't know if the math didn't work, and then some analytic guy would write like me a nasty thing on Twitter. So No. Um,
0: I mean, you can do yeah. it because, I mean, depending – I assume you'll take the over with Kansas State, and that would just mean that they win the head-to-head game yeah. and then maybe you know, the, Correct. the championship game. This win total is prior to championship week. At least that's my impression of it. I think it is. So –
1: I don't think I think win totals generally, and I'm not a gambler, so I don't know the the nuances of it because I've never had to. Inv- Thank God we have Stanford Steve by the yeah, way, right now, because he could answer this question for us very quickly. Um, uh, but I don't think win totals count for conference title games. I don't think only so, think yeah. they, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think it's there. But yeah, I'm gonna go over like talent wins. Like you can't compile this much talent and it not win. If it would be an indictment of Steve Sarkeesian if this isn't a ten win team. Because they are, t- they have ten win talent.
0: I, I know they're going to play at a high level against Alabama. Here are the games that I and
1: and they'll be ready against. Do Oklahoma. you believe let me, this is a good podcast topic? I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off. If Quinn doesn't get hurt, does Texas beat Alabama? No,
0: they find a way to. they l- they find a way to lose it? Alabama would have would settle them down. Would change change the way the game goes. Game goes the way it went. You know, I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't, because. Bryce Young left the field – did not leave the field last year in the fourth quarter with his team trailing, you know? So if they had scored more, he would have scored more. I just – you know, it came, down, it came down to whether they were going to make the, make the field goal or not.
1: You know, that was it. There's like a once-a-decade Alabama-Texas quarterback injury, you know – podcast topic that you could talk about forever and that's this decades so. <laughs> just don't bring it up to McElroy the the Colt get hurt when to McElroy he really like he really jumps on that he's kind of made a he's kind of made a living on well that. you know what you know why
0: because nobody nobody knew and look Colt was hurt he couldn't throw the ball you know and that was extremely unfortunate McElroy played that game with broken ribs I mean you know he, he threw for like he only threw for like 50 something yards they didn't throw much because he, he played with broken ribs you know, so it's uh he there were but he, he'd been hurt previously, so it had hampered it had hampered the uh preparation, I think, in that at least in the passing game regard. So we've got Texas going over right behind Texas. Now, I promise we'll get to your uh preseason pick of Kansas State for the championship. Oklahoma also headed to the SEC six and seven last year in Brent Venable's first year but uh, much more productive in games in which Dylan Gabriel was able to start and finish. They averaged like 37 points a game and over 500 yards in those games. Gabriel is back. Um, they you know, they have some question in terms of weapons for him. They do have uh, Andrell Anthony, who transferred from Michigan, made a big play in the Michigan State game a couple of years ago, but was never really the consistent guy. Um, You talked on an earlier podcast, Pete, about Michigan having Stanford transfers on the offensive line. So does Oklahoma. Uh, They've got Walter Rouse, who transferred in there. Uh, They got Desan McCullough, who was an Indiana transfer on defense, who was a a highly thought of guy. I'm a little bullish on Oklahoma. Talk to someone who's seen them practice a little bit lately. The win total is a little bit high for a team coming off six and seven. But you kind of look at the schedule. They've got Texas at the State Fair. They do have to go to Kansas and to Stillwater, which historically hasn't been a problem. Uh, and, And then they won last year when Oklahoma State sort of stepped in the empty elevator shaft. Things stack up pretty well for them, but I can't quite make that big a leap all the way to 10 wins. So I'm going to take the under at Oklahoma. Give me a quick synopsis on them and where you are over under with the
1: Sooners. I'm going to take the under as well because they have – I give Brent Venables a lot of credit. There's been two top 10 recruiting classes. He is trying to build Clemson Midwest there, and the talent influx indicates it's there. I just think they need one more year to let the talent settle in. There's a there's a number about like new players in their building the last two years. It's like 70 players. I mean, they've really overhauled the whole thing, and it needed it, especially defensively. I just think that it's going to take a year for them to grow up, Reese, when, when it all comes down to it. And so I uh, obviously like Dylan Gabriel. I, I'm glad you brought up Andre Anthony because he is intriguing, you know, talent, talented guy. Um, you, know, you know, Drake Stoops has been around forever. Um, he's solid, but he's a possession guy. So I just think they need a little bit maybe more skill talent. And then they need, uh, they need the defense to show, especially up front, that they can, uh, can battle. That's where, if I'm going to the SEC, that's where I'm really worried right now, if I'm Oklahoma.
0: The reigning champion of the Big 12, the Kansas State Wildcats, uh, Chris Kleiman in his fifth year. They beat TCU in that classic game last year, but now they're coming back. No Deuce Vaughn, no Felix Enudike Uzoma, no Julius Brents. Uh, on defense, but they do return Cooper Beebe up front, and all five of their offensive line starters. They also return another guy who was previously a starter who missed a year with injury. Um, they've got TreShaun Ward transferring from Florida State. They got DJ Giddens, who's a sort of a bowling ball kind of guy, or you know he's a bruiser uh, among the better backs in the country after after contact. Got a few holes to fill on defense for sure. But you say that you like them as Big 12 champions. So you start with your assessment of Kansas State and just for your information, the win total for the Wildcats is eight and a half.
1: Ooh, I like that. That is that is that is ripe. Um, so, I think it starts with Cooper Beebe and company up front, Reese, right? Cooper Beebe is the best interior lineman in college football. He will be a he will be. there This was a really bad guard class, right? You you called the draft, so you probably remember. It was Osiris Torrance was the first guard taken, and I believe it was early second round, right? Mm-hmm. That, I just feel like that group has an, an, a a pretty remarkable amount of uh, of, of starts uh, among it that that offensive line, and there's a bunch of six year guys who uh, who who've come back, and uh, I, I really feel like they can they can win going up front, and and Will Howard. Is one of the best young quarterbacks in college football. I guess he's not that young because he did play some of the COVID year in uh in, in injury, but he came on as much last year as uh as as any as any quarterback in the country. He may, he was one of the most improved players in the Big Twelve, and there was a lot of optimism when I was through there in the spring that he can carry that on. Obviously, the Juice Bond dynamic, he was so explosive, is is going to be difficult. But it's it's a lot easier to replace skill guys like that when you have an established quarterback a rock solid offensive line and a draftable tight end in Benson. So I just think, by the way, Chris Kleiman has won, I think seven national championships as a coordinator, a head coach. So like the guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to build a team. So, um, I take the steadiness of that, and I'll give you one other uh, one other little name out of the blue, like I did for Oregon State in our in our last pod. The name VJ Payne, the safety uh, who's from Georgia, is one of these young guys who could really really blow up in the next year or two. So just that's that's another one. When you when you when you spend a little time on campus, you get you get a little bit of the spring scuttlebutt and kind of some some coaches being honest. Uh, that that's a guy who really could come now. Now Kobe Savage is obviously an established guy who's one of the better. Better secondary guys in, in that league, so I'm uh, I am excited and bullish on K State. And losing Felix is a big loss, but they feel like the defensive line room is one of the best rooms in their program. So, when in doubt, pick Chris Kleiman. He's won a lot more conference championships than Steve Sarkeesian.
0: Eight and a half to number. You're going over. I will join you in the over. I'm not quite. Yeah, I'm not quite welcome. as bullish as you are. I'm not picking them to win the conference again. Um, really. Really tricky two-week early October stretch in Stillwater on a Friday night at Texas Tech. After that, then TCU at home. Have to go to Texas as well. But eight and a half. Don't sp-
1: overlook Troy either, by yeah. the way. That's a scary game. Yeah,
0: and they go, they go to Missouri, too. I mean, they absolutely stomped uh, Missouri last year. Sledgehammer. I mean, yeah. mismatch of epic proportions. But, you know, there'll be, as my old friend Digger Phelps likes to say, a payback game for Missouri, road game, early season. Um, but I, I still, I think eight and a half is way too low for that team with a veteran offensive line, veteran quarterback, and a great coach. So I'll, I'll take the over for the reigning Big 12 champions. Team that played for the national championship last year, the TCU Horn Frogs, Sonny Dykes had to change at coordinator uh, when Garrett Riley went to Clemson. Kendall Briles came over from Arkansas. There is uh, certainly something amusing given the uh, angst and animosity and vitriol between those two programs back in the day. That there is a Bryles coaching at TCU, um, but they lost everybody on offense. Chandler Morris is back, but you know the interior of the offensive line has to be rebuilt. They hit the portal hard uh, for both skill players and in the middle. Uh what what do you think about TCU? I mean look at this win total is seven and a half for Sonny Dykes in his second wow. Round.
1: Wow. Um I like TCU um, I like Sonny Dykes. I also just have to acknowledge the, the, the spate of questions, um, which starts with Chandler Morris. You wonder if Quentin Johnson did so much for them. He not only stretched the field, but he opened everything else up. Uh, this is probably the last time I can man crush Quentin Johnson on this podcast, <laughs> Reese, so I just want to make sure I get my last, uh, my last sonnet dedicated to my, uh, my favorite player in, uh, in college football last year. Uh, their defense was good enough. And if you don't have Max Duggan making plays, and you lose such dynamic skill, good enough can all of a sudden go sideways on you. So, I am going to take the under on the uh, on on the Horned Frogs. I uh, I feel like they could uh, they could struggle a little bit. Five losses is a lot of losses. Um, but I uh, I don't know. It will be very interesting to see when they open with Colorado. We'll, we'll learn a lot. That that's one of the obviously the most intriguing early season games. Um, Colorado, as you've probably heard, is likes to recruit in Texas. They switched leagues so they could do it more um, in the last couple of weeks, and I don't know how uh, sunny how much Sunny Dykes has liked that. Um, so I do think there's some some simmering overtones uh, between those two staffs right now. So it would be interesting to see if Colorado does struggle, as we mentioned on the Pac-12 podcast, is possible um, with the, with the offensive style they play. Um, it be interesting to see how that game is handled in its late stages. They feel like a seven and five team. They pulled some games yeah. out of the fire last
0: year. I I think I sort of think that win total might be a hair low, so I'm really tempted to go over. But I'm going to join you in the under and think that maybe a break or two that went their way last year goes against them, and they're probably probably looking at seven and five with all of the changes that they have up front, the coaching change and and all of that that they'll be facing coming off that appearance in the national championship game.
2: It's only a kick. A jump.
1: A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
2: ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.
0: So let's move down the road then to Waco. And Dave Aranda uh, followed up that great year, the Big 12 Championship, with a 6-7 and seven record. Uh, they have a new defensive coordinator as well. They return Blake Shapin at quarterback. They return Richard Reese at running back. Um, they have Oklahoma State's leading rusher from last year, Dominic uh, Richardson at running back. For Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator and that uh, reliable, violent offense, the RVO, that he prefers. Baylor... Baylor, a little bit of an interesting case because they sort of fell back to the pack last year, but their win total is seven and five, is is seven point five, and they've got a non conference game against Utah. They get Texas at home. They don't have Oklahoma on the schedule this year. They do have to go to Kansas State, and they have to go to TCU. They have to go to UCF, which I think can be. Um, a difficult game, more difficult than perhaps some in the Big 12 uh, might recognize until they get a good look at Gus Malzahn's team. So seven and five, um, uh, seven point five. I'm going to go seven and five and take the under by half game on the Bears.
1: So I'm going to I'm going to pivot a little bit here and, uh, and and take a little bit of a risk and go over on the Bears. I, I feel like you know what could have gone wrong did go wrong for them last year. And uh, I'm going to make a—I a, a, hope our friend Stanford Steve listens to this because this is one of my, like, long-shot uh, calls that I'm about to make going into, the, going into the preseason with a little bit of education from what has happened at, uh, at Bear Camp. If you want a good long shot for, uh, for Big 12 Player of the Year, I have heard unbelievable things about Dominic Richards in there, which is a little bit outlandish to say because he might not even be the starter— but he could well be the best player in that program. And uh, look, if we know how Jeff Grimes likes to run offense, and we know how Dave Aranda wants to play, there's going to be running the ball, and there's going to be complimentary football. And uh, the O line, I think, is solid. And I really think that he could be the bell cow to carry them as Blake Shapen grows up for us. So that is my that is my bold Big Twelve. Call get some I have no idea if they even have odds on that kind of stuff. Uh, Perhaps we'll learn when ESPN bet comes into our lives that that information will be more easily available to me, Reese. But uh, I do feel like he could be a special breakout kind of player.
0: So you're you're going over. I'm going under, although I think they will be. I just like to disagree with you. Well, they'll be right. They'll be right. They'll be right on
1: that number.
2: Here's
0: the team that I think is going to not be good enough to win the Big 12, but have a major say in who does. Texas Tech, second year under uh, Joey McGuire. They do lose Tyree Wilson, high draft pick, but we mentioned in a previous podcast, a former Oregon quarterback, Tyler Shuck just hasn't been able to stay healthy. They've got a bunch of dudes coming back on the offensive line, over 140 uh, career starts. They're shaking some things up on defense in terms of moving some guys around. Um, They've got, I think, 15 super seniors. They did pull a bunch of games out of the fire last year and won some games in overtime. Um, Texas Tech also at a 7.5, 7.5 win total. They open at Wyoming, Oregon at home, early trip to West Virginia, have to go to BYU, have to go to Kansas, and have to go to Texas. But, you know, it's really tough to play in Lubbock. I'm going to take the over with Texas Tech probably by a half game and figure that among those eight wins, I expect them to get, it. they will clip somebody this year that will completely, completely destroy a dream. That's the most Texas Tech thing ever, right?
1: It, it very much is the the spirit of Mike Leach will smile from up above as he asks for his money from Texas Tech, which he still wants in the afterlife. <laughs> I can assure you. I would not claim I knew Mike Le- Leach particularly well, but I knew him well enough to know he really still wanted his money from Texas Tech. So, uh, but he also liked a good upset, and uh, I think he would appreciate the spirit of uh, of of Joey McGuire that he is uh, that he has brought. Did you see the clip where he scaled the crane? Race? I did. I did see it. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's good. Good energy, uh, Joey Maguire. He's been fun to uh, he's been fun to cover. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on the over here. I am uh, I am I am bullish on big offense, which let look like you said it leaves you the ability to pull an upset, and it also leaves you susceptible sometimes Short. when things misfire to to lose to a team that you uh, that you perhaps shouldn't lose to. So um, I do think that. Jalen Hutchings, their defensive lineman, will not be picked as, ty- as high as Tyree Wilson because he was picked ridiculously high. But he could be a first-round type guy, identity-on-defense guy. And when was the last time Texas Tech had, like, big-time defensive prospects in that in that way? So there's, there's a system there. There's talented guys. They're developing, clearly, under, uh, under Joey Maguire. That was obviously the theme of Tyree Wilson in his uh, in his draft story. So, yeah, I look forward to Tyler Shuck and, you know, the experienced receivers, Bradley and Price, uh, ro- rolling through and putting up some numbers. And uh, I'm not ready to call it yet, but the Ducks should be on alert when they go to Lubbock. It'll be a big game. It's too bad that game is in a different week because that mm-hmm. would be a fun college game day game. No doubt. Did you do one in Lubbock? I've called games in Lubbock, and I've
0: done okay. game day basketball in Lubbock. But uh, okay. we have, haven't taken game day there since since I've been there. Chuck, uh, you know the one thing I didn't realize, and you have been hurt a lot. They were eight one in games that he started, um, but he's had difficulty staying healthy. And we'll see, you know, how well he flourishes in this offense and whether he can pull one of those upsets early. Oklahoma State. Always a little bit of an interesting case. Absolutely went in in the tank uh, down the stretch of last season. I mean, got clobbered uh, a bunch of times late. I think they lost something like five of their last six. Um, They don't have Texas. They don't have TCU. They get Kansas State and Oklahoma at home. They play all of the teams coming over from the American. They've got, you know – Who's going to be the quarterback? Is it you know going to be Garrett Rangel, Gunnar Gundy, or Alan Bowman, who put up numbers in the Big 12 before his run of injuries at Texas Tech and spent the last couple of years as a backup at Michigan? But I think the most fascinating thing that Oklahoma State has done or Mike Gundy has done, again, his coaching tree is remarkable. He's hired a man called Brian Nardo as defensive coordinator from, from Gannon <laughs> College. It's his latest in a long line of discovering guys from Mike Yursich to Sean Gleason, And, you know, he's not afraid to go outside the norm to hire guys he doesn't know. And it's worked out really well for him in the past. And I wonder if maybe with, you know, a guy like Colin Oliver out there, a guy like Kendall Daniels on defense, got a Tulsa transfer and Justin Wright who's put up big numbers. They do lose eight of their top 10 tacklers. They've got a whole new look over there, new energy, new vibe. Um Oklahoma State, what do you think of the Pokes? Uh the number six and a half as you contemplate that, by the way.
1: This is, you know, again, people are listening to our preseason prediction podcast, so we certainly don't want to uh subvert the entire enterprise that our podcast is based on. But, like, there are some of these schools where you just don't know Reese. Now, I think Alan Bowman, I'm pretty confident in saying Alan Bowman will be the quarterback from from talking to folks there. Um, they lost so many guys to the portal. Uh, Richardson at tailback, I think they lost three of their top five returning receivers who all went to real places. Spencer Sanders left, like... There are certainly overtones of a culture issue there. Um, And maybe it's an NIL issue. Maybe it's Gundy. Maybe it's guys don't want to be in Stillwater and they have better options and they want to go to uh, a more urban place as opposed to a more rural place uh, to go to school. But you can't look at the totality of those losses and think this thing's going well right now. So I'm going to take the under on that. And yeah, they have... How could you possibly project what their defense is going to look like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure some of our colleagues will be watching the uh, Gannon film. To, uh, I'm saying, yeah, the, <laughs> the poor, poor Central Arkansas Ga's trying to dig up that Gannon film to try to get an edge um, for their for their opener September second. But they have a tricky schedule. So at Arizona State is a game I think conventional people think they should win, but that'll be a difficult game. And then South Alabama is really good. They were really good last year. They were nose hair winning from the Sun Belt. Um, And then they go to Iowa State, which may not have any players left. We'll talk about them next or soon here. But, like, that's all of a sudden you could be – and then you have K-State at home. Um, And I believe K-State just completely blasted them into smithereens last year. 48-0. Yeah. Yeah. One of just the most – I mean, anyway, I thought K State's really good, right? We've been very complimentary with them. But like, in no way did I wake up that Saturday and think they could win. They'd win that game forty-eight to nothing. I mean, look—if you look at Mike Gundy's offensive history, um, they score points. They had a really good offense for the first six weeks of last season. They were they were in the top twenty in the country. So, it just something really went sideways there. And uh, I am going to believe it's different when I see it's different. So, I'm taking the under.
0: I'm going to take the under. Uh, I was, I really, really wanted to take the over and go and go to seven, but the early season games, the South Alabama game that you mentioned is tricky. they If they get out one and two, that could that could get away quickly. so i'm gonna I'm gonna go under with you as well. Right, let's get one of the newcomers that I think actually has a All chance right. to finish um, maybe a little higher in the standings, maybe even contend for a spot in that big 12 championship game if things were to go just right ucf oh, what do you think about that as gus malzahn is back into the power five do you do you know that reference ucf what do you think about that
1: i don't okay we
0: started this years ago and it's become a thing among ucf fans over the years there were even signs that said this when we went on college game day when i did thursday night games with uh, jesse palmer and david Pollack, mm-hmm. you know jesse's a master storyteller so he was telling the story about Uh, a former teammate at Florida who had been a highly recruited guy, but I guess that things weren't really working out for him. And there was kind of this feeling that maybe he just really enjoyed being a Gator and hadn't really made the necessary sacrifices to make the big step up. So it wasn't really working out for him at Florida. So one day Jesse runs into him and he goes, and this guy says, I'm going to transfer. Jesse goes, no way. Really? You're going and as Jesse tells the story much better than I will, he says the guy go looks at him dead in the eye, has this real serious face, stern jaw, eyes sort of squinted together, and says, I'm going to UC and Jesse thinks he's about to say LA because because you know they were good then in the late nineties. He was a highly recruited guy. But instead the guy said, I'm going to UCF. What do you think about that? And so, so that became the thing. And it was like, you know, whenever I would say UCF and the highlights, I would say, what do you think about that? And um, you know, this was Jesse's story, but I co-opted it for the, for the good of lines over highlights in the studio on Saturdays and it's become a thing. So I say that UCF has a chance. What do you think about that with John Rice Plumley and uh, maybe Demarcus Bowman finally gets loose for them. They, you know, they, they were really good. The American last year, Tulsa was able to. I mean, Tulsa Tulane was able to beat them for the championship. I think. I think this is a team that could cause some problems in the Big Twelve. Gus's style, which you know, that won't be a big shock for the people in the league. They're used to tempo and running quarterbacks and all of that. They got a lot of guys coming back. Win totals only uh, six and a half. I am going to take the over with UCF.
1: Yeah, I'm going to roll the over there, too. If you look at their, uh, you know, starting lineup, they're all SEC transfers and like familiar names, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson. These are like high-end athletes who just didn't get a chance at, at other places. And I think that's going to be a lot of UCF's identity until they can really start to recruit to the Big 12 and establish themselves uh, in, in Central Florida in that way. So, um, yeah, I, I, trust, uh, I trust Gus and... Uh, you know, the thought on John Rice Plumley is Darren Hinshaw coming in as the OC, opens things up as a passer for him. We know he can scoot, right? He was scooting in Oxford, and he's and he's scooted in Orlando. Uh, can he spread the uh, magic bean around a little bit better and uh, maybe be in a little bit more refined offensive passing system? Probably not Gus's specialty, the refined no, part. I would say not. And um, – yeah go on out and uh, do that uh, yeah welcome to the big 12 you get to go to k-state to, to open your uh, to open your league schedule and they have to return that boise game i covered the ucf boise game in orlando it was like an opening thursday game might have been a friday uh, and it was thunderstorms it was a crazy game mostly memorable uh ucf one came back big and won in uh like multiple overtimes uh, there was like a three hour rain delay and Hank Bachmeyer uh, zoomed into one of his classes from the locker room in his uniform because <laughs> the, the delay was so long and he was missing class. So I'll never forget that. That's like it was a wild game. But that was the one thing I was like, whoa. And so like somebody took a screenshot of the zoom and it went viral like as the game as he went back and played the game. So
0: there is one little nugget, the final nugget on UCF. Last time they entered a new conference, they won it and went to the Fiesta Bowl.
1: Just, just saying.
0: Mm. Not making that prediction and taking the over on, on six and a half. Not a new team in the Big 12, but one that has, has suddenly gone into a bit of a tailspin. Iowa, <clears throat> Iowa State coming off a 4-8, and 1-8 and eight record, only won one game in the Big 12 last year. And as you probably know by now, their returning quarterback, Hunter Deckers, away from the team, caught up in all of the gambling issues that have uh that have ensnared a number of players at uh iowa state and iowa uh, we've had some fun with you know with the backup kicker at iowa who i think bet the under in the uh Cy Hawk game but no no um no joking matter when you lose your really only experienced quarterback there they do have some offensive linemen returning um you know they they turned the ball over a bunch last year. They were minus seven in turnovers. They you know they continually, continually lose one one score games. They were one in six in one score games last year. They were three and eleven in one score games the last two years. And you know Iowa State seems to be at a really difficult spot right now. The win total for them is five and a half. They're at Oklahoma. They're at Baylor, they're at BYU and at Kansas State, and Texas at home. Uh, I'm taking the under on the Cyclones.
1: So we actually have relevant news that's just breaking uh, since we started taping the podcast. We're here on Thursday afternoon uh, for everybody everybody listening. So this, this may be, by the time you folks listen to this, it may be already there. But um, the story just broke that another group of Iowa State and Iowa football players were charged in the sports wagering uh, situation that's ensnared. Hunter Deckers and others there, the Iowa State group includes four starters, starting running back uh, Jarrell Brock, um, also Isaiah Isaiah Lee, tight end Deshaun Hanneke, right tackle Jacob Rendsburg. So um, how that will reverberate to the team right now is too early to tell, but that is just another... Brutal uh, blow to Iowa State, and you know there was a case that they could bounce back because of the close games, huge staff changes. Deckers is better, um, but yeah, you uh, you you have some dudes that are going to miss some games, right? So um, a really really uh, ambiguous start to that season because you just don't know who's going to be on the field for the Northern Illinois game, and they have to play Iowa in Week Two where there's going to be a ton of suspensions. Um, I will say, very early buzz guy who could be a first-round pick, who probably is in the household. Name is TJ Tampa, the DB at Iowa State. He's uh, he was a very good defensive back in the Big Twelve. He is not impacted in all this, and uh, I think he'll be one of the better defensive players in the whole league. But right now, I will go under. But as we often warn you on game day, uh, you know, do not uh, do not invest until uh, until there is clarity on who will play.
0: I was going to ask you about T.J. Tampa. I think Pro Football Focus listed him as you know, one of the best players in the Big 12, certainly the best player on the Iowa State roster. So that at least there, is, far. there is that good news for them.
2: ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.
0: Kansas had a great run to start the season last year. Lance Leipold has eyes everywhere. I was giving a speech uh, the other night, nowhere near Kansas. In fact, I was in Tuscaloosa. And as soon as I finished my speech, I have a text from Lance Leipold who said, hey, thanks for giving the Jayhawks some love in your speech tonight. And I was like, wow, how did you know that? And it turns out uh, Nate Oates, the Alabama basketball coach, was there and they were together at Buffalo and Nate had let him know. So Lance Lance is uh, spreading his wings just about to all corners of college football in an effort to. Elevate Kansas. You've probably seen the video online of, of the upgrade in their facilities. They've got Jalen Daniels back. They've got Jason Bean who played well uh, while Daniels was hurt behind him. They've got over 130 starts returning on the offensive line. we have got Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw back. Highshaw uh, back from injury. Weren't very good on defense last year, but they do return 90% of their offensive production. Now, there's not You know, there's not a lot of room for error, not a lot of margin for error. Probably the highest win total Kansas has had in years is sitting at six and a half. If they could win that Illinois game week two at home, there are a lot of good Mm -hmm. week two games sort of under the radar. If they could somehow pull that one off and get started 4-0 before they have to go to Texas, um, this could be a really – Really good season for them. They have Oklahoma coming to Lawrence. They have UCF coming to Lawrence. Uh, they, don't have to, they play Texas Tech and don't have to go to Lubbock. That's always a positive, and they have Kansas State at home as well. Uh, I'm going I'm to take the over by half game. I'm going I'm to ride with Rock Chalk and say they can get to seven this year with that dynamic quarterback.
1: I had an interesting conversation with an NFL scout the other day who, you know, there's the, the, the debate we've had it on this podcast. We'll have it again. Who will be that third quarterback? Mm-hmm. He did not say Jalen Daniels, but he said, boy, am I intrigued by Jalen Daniels who could put himself in that conversation. So I don't know if I thought of Jalen Daniels through that prism of like a big time NFL guy, but he has a chance with another year. Like he had a start last year. Again, he was he was the Heisman favorite, I would say. The week we uh, rolled in with game day, right, mm-hmm. Reese? Like, I mean, that was that was not an outlandish state. I mean, he was. I, a don't know. I don't know, I don't know if I'd
0: go that far to say favorite, but I would. I would say okay. certainly in the mix for sure.
1: Yes. yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to see what he can do back healthy. Um, yeah, Devin Neal quit baseball this spring to to stay focused on uh, on on football. Lawrence's finest will will be a little bit more locked in and you know that offense, Andy Kobelnicky's offense is was really fun. Like it grew, it, it it morphed. Um so I think with a year of knowing what he has in Jalen Daniels and a year of the skill growing around him, um, you know, a guy like Quentin Skinner who's caught like seven million balls for them, I really feel like they can uh they, they can grow and flourish. So I, I'm I'm gonna to i I'm gonna do that too. I worry about the D line. You know, I, I think that's probably if you gave every big twelve coach truth serum, that's what he would say. But uh I think they can, uh, they can outscore some folks and have some fun. I agree on the Illinois game. That'll be, that will be a lot of fun that Friday night uh, going into that weekend.
0: So we're both somewhat bullish on Kansas after they had a resurgence. BYU is back in a conference after their independent sojourn for several years. It's coming off an 8-5 and five season. They lose Jaron Hall. Uh, they lose Lopini Katoa up front. Uh, they lost, uh, lost a lost couple of uh, transfers as well, but they get Keaton Slovis in, who's making his latest start, a uh, latest stop to presumably be the starter at quarterback for the Cougars. Number of other transfers they have big tight end and Isaiah Rex, who's a really good player. Uh, they've got uh, you got a transfer from Oregon, who is uh, a terrific offensive lineman. And I hope I get this name right. This is a uh, uh, Kingsley uh, Sal Matea, I believe, is correct. But uh, you know that was a guy who was a highly sought after guy um, when he came out of high school and has played well for BYU. They've got uh, 78 career starts on the offensive line. A lot of them were places other than BYU. This is a you know this is a, a bit of an unknown for me too. The over under number on the Cougars is sitting at a six. They've got to go to Arkansas and go to Kansas early. They go to TCU and Texas. West Virginia is probably way down but not necessarily an easy trip get Oklahoma at home. I'm going I'm going to take the over but barely just because it's 6 because I think it's more likely that they you know that they win 7 than they win 5. If that you know if I think 6 sounds about right but if I if I've got to go one way or the other I'm going to go over more likely they pull out. Uh, pull out one with uh, with that being a tough place to play in Provo when the Big 12 teams come to visit them.
1: Well, Jim Gallero, our game day producer, is going to give you a stern talking to in week zero because you brought up BYU and did not bring up Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua,
0: a staple of the game day day checkdown.
1: He was a staple. Puka Nakua is part of our lives, but we have to we have to learn to grow without him. He was uh, he was drafted. Jim was very excited when uh, when Puka got uh, when Puka got drafted. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because there's a lot of projection that comes with BYU and and coming here. Uh, Big Kingsley is going to be a, a really high. You know, he's a top 50 like player in college football. Uh, he'll be a, he'll be a high draft pick at left tackle. Um, you know, they have, Cody Apps has been a really productive receiver for them. I have a general belief in Keaton Slovis that the talent is there and the system wasn't right for him at Pitt. I just feel like with that and with, uh, you know, some of the defensive switches. Now, Jay Hill, the new DC, who is, was the head coach at Weber State, is a very, very good defensive coordinator, is a very, very good coach. And that unit clearly needed a, uh, clearly needed an upgrade last year. But I think... The combination of the unknowns, the combination of them moving up in class, if you will, playing you know more Big Twelve games, I am going to I'm going to take the under on that. But I kind of agree that the number is about in the right place. But I can uh, I can see them winning five or you know needing to win in Stillwater in the final week to get to six.
0: The coach who's probably under the most pressure in the Big Twelve to win is Neil Brown. Um, they've got another new offensive coordinator at West Virginia Chad Scott um, takes over promoted from the run game coordinator Um, they'll go with Garrett Green who's a pretty good runner CJ Donaldson who we saw on opening night opening Thursday night against Pittsburgh last year was really impressive Um, you know they have some experience on the offensive line as well but they were outgained by nearly a hundred yards per game in big 12 play last year and you know, West Virginia's win total sits at four and a half, and they've got a non-conference game uh, to open a, at Penn State. They've, they've got Pitt also out of conference, and, you know, they're at TCU. They're at Oklahoma. Um, they missed Texas, which probably won't hurt. They're at UCF. Uh, I'm going to have to take the under on West Virginia and go under four and a half.
1: Yeah, I'm probably going to have to take the under two. Um, I'm a believer in experience in synchronicity and on offensive lines. So that was the case. Neil Brown actually said at media day that he was pissed off that they got picked last, which I liked, by the way, because yeah. like at least show some like real emotion, you know, like that's, you know, nobody wants to get picked last in anything. So and his his big case for them was with CJ Donaldson at tailback. We really liked combined with that old line. So they could certainly, they could certainly grind out some games. I am, uh, pretty concerned with the defense still um, there's some questions there I do wonder if uh, Nico ooh, I know how to pronounce this because I had to do a big of me today Martial, the uh, the highly regarded quarterback from uh, Arizona who's been there eventually does win that uh, does win that job um, he's supposed to be a really talented cat so you know I just feel like if you are trying to save your job as Neil Brown is this year, The schedule maker is unkind, right? You have at Penn state to start, and this is maybe the best Penn state team in the 20 years that I've done this. And then you are uh, home pit. Look, pit is pit is like investing in bonds, man. They are solid. Like, you know, they're going to be good on defense. Um, they're never going to score 60 on you, but they're, they're, they're really sound. And then you got Texas tech coming in. Um, so and then you go to TC. It's just like boy, like it could it could dog pile on you quick if you don't show well in uh, in state college. So I'm going to pick the uh, I'm going to pick the under. Um, I will say, uh, you know, we've certainly as we've gamed out our season on game day, we've certainly pondered the ABC primetime game that Saturday night in uh, in in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm and sorry, Morgantown. Yeah. In Morgantown, yes. I'm trying to think, Reese. Does anyone on our show go to West Virginia? Do we have any West Virginia grads we, on the we show? We do have one, a uh, rather
0: prominent oh, we one. West Virginia okay. alum, and Pat McAfee. So, uh.
1: oh yeah, that's right. Pat went to West Virginia. He never brings that Whoa, up. Oh, <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> how do you think the crowd would like to see pat oh
0: that would just be electric man i hope i hope they play well enough that would be a great stop haven't show hasn't been to morgantown since i have hosted it i've been there a couple of times for basketball including a stirring rendition of singing country roads uh with with billis and seth greenberg and jay williams at the time (laughs) And that, you know, that quick aside, another quick story on that. We did this little bit to open the show. And then the whole thing was we were doing it out in the country someplace, singing at cappella, And then we were going to walk in and in our suits live and they would take it live. And as they did, as we walked in, because they had heard us sing, they'd already started singing a whole huge crowd in basketball. And man, I mean, it was it would like choke you up. It was cool. So there's so much passion there. That would be a, a great stop if we. If we get a chance to do that,
1: we'll let Sims do the acapella singing. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from that assignment. I'm gonna stick to the ankle sprains and stay away from the acapella. I, I
0: just hope you know it will be early enough in the season. I don't think it's gonna go well for West Virginia this year, mm. but it might be early enough in the season, and there'll certainly still be a ton of excitement surrounding the mighty Panthers coming to
1: town. I would love to go. I would too. I, w- I don't know what bodies of water pack could jump in there, but he would find them and uh he would jump in them. So, now it would be it would be electric. It would be great. Uh it, perfect be a fun homecoming to to see and feel cuz the, the one thing about the West Virginia crowds, I've covered a bunch of games there over the years. It is a visceral experience. They care there, man. They really really care there. So, that could be that could be fun. Let's hope uh Game Day's Country Roads uh collide with uh, with those in Morgantown.
0: It, it is just a shame, uh, Pete, that the October 12th game that West Virginia has against Houston is not in Morgantown. That's in in Houston with former Mountaineer coach Dana Hogerson Ooh, and his yeah. uh, maiden voyage with the Cougars in, in the Big 12. He comes in there losing a ton of guys lost Clayton Toon, the quarterback, lost Tank Dell, the wide receiver. We mentioned uh, Alta McCaskill when we uh, did our Pac-12 preview, who transferred from Houston to Colorado. So here come the Cougars. Uh, who also lost a couple of offensive line starters uh, in the portal in the spring. They don't have a lot of experience. They've got like 10 bowl teams from last year on the schedule, including opening against a veteran solid UTSA team in a non-conference game. And they have TCU early. They have to go to Texas Tech early. They, they do have Texas at home. The number on Houston is also four and a half. And looking at you know looking at a tough game in the non conference and some of uh, they do have a pretty good home schedule and getting some of them. I I think they can get to five, but no. Not any better than that, but it, I think the numbers a little low, so I'm gonna take the over, but barely. But I don't I don't really have a lot of optimism about them having a a great first season in the Big Twelve.
1: Yeah, Donovan Smith's really talented. He really flashed at times at Texas Tech. So I you know, if there's a case for optimism, I would start it there. But I would uh I would I would generally agree. Patrick Paul's really good, really good tackle. Um but yeah, there, is a, there are a lot of unknowns there. Um, by the way, they play at Rice Week 2, which made me regret that I did not say earlier my favorite stat of this season. And that's that Rice quarterback JT Daniels is going to open the season at Texas. And it's going to be the third different team he's played at Texas with in his career. And I think I've probably said it on the podcast before, but that's just worth repeating. That is just wondrously preposterous. So thank you to JT. It's like the
0: old school stories that I tell about the... Uh, the guys who were basically mercenary players in the early 1900s, who would play week to week for different teams, like Oregon faced a guy like four consecutive weeks playing for four different teams back in the day. It's sort of like a JT's a modern day whoever. What I can't recall that guy's name now.
1: But <laughs> did you read Dave Revson's book? Oh yeah, um, like his history. Yeah, book? oh, it's excellent. I, yeah. I read, it was did a really nice job. to
0: the fact that I would I often bring up uh the great kicker pat o'day from that much to herb street's consternation mm. i actually behind me revson a while back i've i've been remiss in my duty here revson sent me signed copies to all of them because they were all making fun of me for bringing up these things i did it mostly <laughs> to jab them so dave signed copies of the book and sent the sent it to me it it is to send to them and i'm going to get it to them now that i've said that
1: I appreciate your historical affinity, Reese. I would not mock that. I uh the inner the inner college football nerd in me wants more obscure, like, you know, nineteen aughts references on game day. So it really hits the TikTok crowd. Well you have to
0: well that's the thing. You have to be judicious with it. And it's sort of those what are the kids like to say, if you know, you know, or something. So, and it's also a little shout out to Revson. And it's also just to, you know, sort of annoy Herbstreet from time to time or, you know, the other guys who don't have the same appreciation for that. But it's called The Opening Kickoff. And if you like um, the old school
1: stuff, it's a great book to pick up. And you probably, you probably should. It almost reads like fiction in a way. You know what I mean? Like we we all know this stuff happened. It's just, it's really well done. Yeah. So where did we leave
0: off on Houston? Did we go... uh,
1: I don't like them, and I'm taking the under.
0: Okay, you don't like <laughs> them, taking the under. Um, I don't even remember what I said. I, I, I think I said they probably get to five. It's four and a half. Yeah, you know, I, but I but I don't have I don't have a lot of optimism. I think I said that before we went into our historical rant. I also don't feel great about Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati coming in. Scott Satterfield moving from Louisville. Uh, not that Scott's not a good coach, he is. And Louisville probably played a little bit better than they got credit for last year. I found it to be a curious hire, in all honesty. After Luke Fickle left, but they're all new. They've got nobody back on offense. Uh, you know, Emory Jones transferred in there, the former Arizona State and Florida quarterback. Um, you know, they still have Corey Kiner, who a while back transferred from LSU, the running back, but they're, you know, they're losing Ivan Pace, um, you know, Ben Bryant, who had played quarterback for them, uh, left. I, I don't know what to make of them. They only have one starter back on the offensive line and a grand total by, by most calculations that I've read right around 20 career FBS starts. Um, You know, they do have a couple of talented guys on defense coming back, including the godfather, Dante Corleone. Um, But I think they've got like one scholarship receiver returning. I I just – I think this is going to be a tough year in the transition for Cincinnati. They also have a non-conference game at Pittsburgh. They've got Oklahoma on the schedule. They do miss Texas. Number for Cincinnati is four and a half. I'm going under there.
1: I'm going to go under, two. I do like their defense, though. Uh, Deshaun Pace was one of my favorite players in college football the year that Cincinnati made the uh, college football playoff. And uh, his brother Ivan came and kind of took the spotlight last year. I really feel like Deshaun Pace could play his way into being a, uh, a top 50 NFL pick. Uh, he's really like one of those modern hybrid players who, who forces turnovers and wreaks havoc. I really, really loved his game, um, especially when it was sort of showcased well that, uh, that year. So... That said, and yeah, Dante Corleone, Malik Van's been there and been a really good player, and he was hurt all last year. You know, he was he was yeah. on their on their playoff
0: team. He was a big part of that, and he he's back from injury, so that's certainly going to help.
1: Yeah, so there's some, there's some good older players on defense, but I agree. Like here's here's the thing about these: like who the heck, like the Cincinnati coaches don't know what they have on offense right now, so it's hard for us to sit here and project it out. Emory Jones is who he is, right? He's a he's a solid FBS quarterback. Um but he's never taken a team on his back and led them to nine wins. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, this is a transition year in a lot of ways for Cincinnati, and I'm, I'm going to take the under.
0: So now we've gone through the Big 12 for the Big 12's last ride, and instead of it being in its current state, but it's going with, a, with the joining in 2024 of – Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State uh, certainly doesn't make up for the loss of Texas and Oklahoma, but it certainly casts the Big 12 in a much different light going forward and positions them perhaps to challenge the ACC for that, quote unquote, third place conference behind the the Big 10 and the SEC in whatever order you prefer to put them in.
1: Yes, I, and that that will be an interesting debate going forward here because I feel like I feel like the Big Twelve has more programs that are deeply dedicated to football than the ACC. Um, but clearly, the top of the ACC is is much better than going forward. Assuming Florida State, Clemson don't leave next week. Right. <laughs> um, going forward, uh, you know that they, they don't have the bell cow national title contender, but. That doesn't mean we can't embrace the chaos on the fundraise.
0: It's going to be great. So as we have for the others, does the Big 12 get a team for the second consecutive year into the college football playoff? They do not. And we need to disagree on one of these soon. We uh, agreed that the Pac-12 will, and I agree that the Big 12 will not. Thanks for listening to our Big 12 conference preview. We'll continue on. There are a a couple of significant conferences left to look ahead to. ACC and the SEC coming up in the next few days. Thanks for listening and downloading the College Game Day podcast wherever you prefer to get your podcasts.